It's Tennessee Titans talk, and after a bye week last Sunday, we <laughs> get to travel to Jacksonville and play the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Man, I wish it was a bye week. Landon, <laughs> we don't want to talk about this. I know our listeners don't want to talk about this, but what happened? We didn't have any good receivers, and we were going up against uh, just a defensive genius, and Todd Downing is uh, Todd Downing. And so at halftime, Robert Sala figured out, hey, we can just play zone the whole time because our best receiver is Josh Reynolds coming off uh, Achilles injury, I think, and he was never that explosive to begin with. So it's like, yeah, you can throw a deep shot to Cam Batson, why don't you? Then he just steamed up some good pressure packages, and Tannehill got sacked seven times. And now Ryan Tannehill is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. After last year being, I think, the fifth least sacked quarterback, he's taken as many sacks in four games this year as he did all of last year. We didn't have any weapons on the perimeter. It caught up with us, and we didn't get any pressure on Wilson. I think that was a big part of it, too. Uh, Huge. We had, they had seven sacks. We had one. Right. Okay, so was that was we a big part yeah. of it, too. It was a game we were supposed to dominate. And, you know, I mean, you trot out there without Bud Dupree, our kajillion dollar signing over in the offseason. You trot out there without Julio and AJ. And, you know, those are the results. This if is a game is, where, yeah, we're supposed to be healthy and dominate, but we didn't. If there's any silver lining, it is how Tannehill just really, really just clawed back and tied this game. But Without a doubt. that offensive line, he's not going to stay healthy doing that. I mean, he's not going to – because he was running for his life the whole game. It, it, it's really disappointing. It's hard to imagine what they can do to patch that up. Uh, I know everybody in the fan base wants Kisenberry out. I don't know what that solves. We'll see, but – Hopefully, we can get things right in Jacksonville this Sunday, but I'm not super pumped. I know Jacksonville has been a mess since Urban Meyer took over and really since the the whole Saxonville thing. So, like, three years, they've been an absolute dumpster fire. But uh, I worry about the trap game thing. I, I don't know. We overlooked the Jets, and now here we are. We have some serious issues. We also have the ability to, to I think, beat anybody if we can cover our biggest weaknesses we do seem like, Landon, we're going to get A.J. Brown and Bud Dupree back. That's that's going to be big. Oh, for sure. And just looking at the Jags' defensive DVOA, they're actually just a tiny bit above average in rush defense. They're 14th, but it's still going to be King Henry against the Jags. He's going to have 202 like it's nothing. But they're 32nd in pass defense DVOA. And so getting A.J. Brown back, he was a limited participant Wednesday, full participant today. He's trending up. Somehow he's going to be back before Julio. And we saw last year, A.J. Brown killed him. I think this could have the makings of a trap game, but if we had tied last week, we just kind of brushed off as a fluke. But we lost to the Jets. We were the laughing stock of the NFL for this past week, and deservedly so. And one thing I will say under Mike Vrabel in the Tannehill era, we have not had back-to-back embarrassing losses. We've had way too many embarrassing losses for a team of our caliber and of our talent, but it's never been back-to-back. Quickly, big guy, if you were doing a bottom five in the NFL, where would your bottom five, where would the Jags be in your bottom five? I just got to see, I mean, how bad is this team going to wind up being this year? Do they have like a mini run in them? Are they going to get better? Uh, Lawrence is doing his best and kind of going on the fly, but the team, they just really have little or no talent. Yeah, I mean, especially if you look at DJ Chark being injured and potentially lost for the year. I don't know if that's been official yet. I mean, they have some receivers that are kind of interesting to me. Like Marvin Jones is really doing a yeoman's job right now um, and playing pretty well. And LaVisca Chenault, I always thought he was going to be a great playmaker. 
two teams two players is not a team make right so it's 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 a tough sledding for for the jags and you know obviously as we've seen over the last week or two they are not being led by a quality coach so that is a big problem it's always been a problem in jacksonville well Um, i think if he just had to show up on sundays and scheme he might be okay but what they did in the first round this year, uh, the distraction that he's been and the distraction that he's created, uh, he's just not up to the task. And I no. think some pro guys, some college guys can be. You see Matt Rule, but Matt Rule is the opposite of Urban Meyer in an elite coach type of way is that the devil's in the details. Nick Saban, if he had had a quarterback, he would still be coaching the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> it takes that and it in no shenanigans. And uh Sometimes things get blown out of proportion. I'm not going to say if it was or wasn't, but the point is, uh, you just don't see you just don't see the distractions uh, of of like a consummate pro. You just sure. don't see it because it can't it can't be afforded. I mean, there's just I mean the the difference between winning and losing between most of these teams is so super small. You just can't afford this kind of goofiness. Yeah, well, I mean, even aside from all of the the you know media coverage we're seeing on Urban Meyer right now. The thing that I really just can't wrap my head around is he's a first year head coach, right? So it's your first Thursday night football game. Why are you not traveling with the team? Like, I don't understand that. You when you know, get beaten, you don't travel back. Yeah. Everything aside, I just cannot, I'm getting hung yeah. up on that piece. And then, you know, the rest of the chaos ensues afterwards. But I just can't understand yeah. how you he think doesn't it's get okay. it. Right, you're, it's okay that's to be an NFL coach. I, to me, that's a college deal. Yeah, and even it, then, but it just you fly back with them, and then you get right back on the private plane, and you, you let them fly you back. I mean, right. this is a private plane world, and I think that is a really good point, big fellow. That I think that might be exhibit A's. He just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And Spurrier was one of the greatest coaches I ever saw as a kid. I watched at Vanderbilt Stadium him play on their national championship year in '96, and be Vanderbilt in the end. And, you know, he went to Washington and he was like, he just didn't, couldn't pick up like the, the blocking schemes and stuff. It's just different. And it's amazing that you could be so good at one thing and it doesn't translate. But I mean, Landon, it's like some guys are really good in Europe, right? And they come over and play basketball, but the game is those little difference. Everybody's a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit taller. And um, those things that really work, they just don't work. Right. And Landon, what's your bottom five? Where does Jacksonville rank? How bad are they going to be this year? I do think it's a good point. And the main thing I think is just the mentality required, especially for coaching. I think with players, you can kind of get away with it just because at the end of the day, so much of it is physical, even though you have to learn the plays. You can still get by being physical, but coaching is all mental. Like we've seen all the stories about the, how the best coaches just put in like 80-hour, 90-hour weeks. They're, they're missing important holidays with their family because they're watching film. And some guys just don't have that, and that's okay. And maybe at the college level, when you're, co- when you're coaching Florida, Ohio State, you have such an insane talent advantage. You have all these, great off- all these great assistant coaches around you. You don't have to be that insane grind set where you're pouring every bit of your soul into it. But and Meyer just doesn't have that. Like his, his team, like he, co- he canceled their Monday practice or team meeting because he was busy dealing with the fallout of the social media video going around. Then bottom five, I think they'd probably be the second worst behind the Lions. The Lions have just been really sad. I think the Jets are probably third worst, which is kind of embarrassing because we kind of lost to them. But just outside of their game against us, they've just been awful. 
I think Houston, because they they're going to be with Davis Mills for a while, is going to fall back to more of what we expected from them in the preseason. And then after that, I think there's really like a bottom four. There's not really that fifth team yet. I'm really interested in to see who does fall, but right now it feels like that bottom four, Jets, Texans, Jags, Lions, Jags are probably in that bottom two. No Falcons? They're one of the teams on the cusp, but they've had, and part of it, and the Falcons have played a really weak schedule too. Like their two wins are the Giants, who I also considered for fifth, fifth worst, and the Washington one. football team, but it's like, they show signs of life. They show signs of something where it's like the bottom four teams outside of the Jets offense actually showing some signs of life. They just show nothing. And it's like, yeah, these are the worst teams because yeah. they've got nothing going for them. All the idiots that I don't must not watch football are like, well, they got Arthur Smith, no offense, Arthur Smith and a rookie tight end. Watch out for Atlanta. It's like, give me a friggin' break. <laughs> they've got nobody on defense and – their running back is questionable, and they've got Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And a good segue, I think, is as bummed as I was Sunday, I get really excited to think about how bad the defensive backfield is. Jacksonville, right? That's 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 <laughs> yeah. Landon, that has get right game all over it, right? Because we're going to get AJ Brown back, Tannehill. If we can't protect him at all, I mean, your Derrick Henry is he's just different when he plays Jacksonville. Ooh, I mean, that has get right over because they are so bad in that defensive backfield. Yeah, this could definitely be a game where we casually drop 40 like we did last year, especially like to end the year. And Henry only gets like 20 touches, but he's still amazing. We walk out happy. We're feeling good going into the hell week of Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Ooh. Rams. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, dropping that Jets is one thing, but we can't drop both these because we Ooh. have a murderer's row coming up and we got to – we got to get right, Biggie. We don't historically play two bad games in a row. That's going to that's gonna stand, right? And the other thing I have to say, Atlanta made this great point, but the bottom five he, he listed, I know I bring this up every episode, but that would have been the same bottom five in some order five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. These same crap teams. I'm everything short of saying that this is a must-win game for us because, I, you know, I said it last week, we usually have a tendency – to play down to our opponents. The opposite's true too, which which is a good thing. We play up to the big big opponents like, you know, Seattle, we took them to overtime and, you know, I feel like last year when we played some teams in prime time, you know, we we were up to the challenge. We we smoked Buffalo. Um Derrick Henry sent Josh Norman into orbit. So, we get up for big games and there aren't going to be any bigger games on our schedule probably than Buffalo Monday night and then you know, the Chiefs. So I would, it, honestly, if we go into that game having lost to the Jets and the Jags, I mean, you know, people are going to be writing us off if they haven't already. And I, I, I feel like a morale, there will be a morale issue within the team. So that's a big concern for me. Big fellow, what's the line of this game currently? Seven? Currently, it's, um, we're four-point favorites. Now, we always nice. talk about home home team getting three points so it's kind of like we're seven point uh landon didn't we open it like seven and a half i not i i saw the line i think we were we were only four and a half to start off this week because the jags looked pretty serviceable against the bengals and obviously we lost the jets we started off seven seven and a half against the jets yeah i think that's what you're thinking Mm -hmm. of well i know bill simmons uh they do guess the lines on sundays and i think we opened up higher than that and his point was 
a team after the performance we had on Sunday should never be against any NFL team more than a seven-point favorite. And so that's been corrected. Uh, we'll have to go back and look at that. Maybe it was just on FanDuel. I don't know because I don't actually gamble, really. <laughs> Four-point favorite, that that means that uh, that Jets game really got Vegas's attention, right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Landon, round out the um, injury report uh, for the Titans and what you know and can guess about the Jags. Uh, they seem to not have a lot of guys hurt. But kind of around that, I know we talked about A.J. Brown, Bud Dupree. What is the latest on Julio Jones? I know they don't expect him to play, and who else is going to be more or less of a game-time decision? Well, it looks like we've either set a record for like the modern injury report era or set or gotten very close to it with 23 players on the injury report in some <laughs> capacity. It was 21 yesterday. D- Derrick Henry and Tyson Brelo popped up, but Henry was just at worst. So 23 players like 45% of our active roster, pretty much our entire wide receiver and linebacker room are on it. But to get into the nitty-gritty, Jayon Brown, Julio Jones, Brett Kern, Taylor Lewan, all back-to-back DNPs. Lewan, pretty worrying because even he's been our best lineman along with Saffold. Even though the offensive line wasn't good against the Jets, we were noticeably worse. I wouldn't expect him to play. Then going on to the... Guys who were limited participants and full participants today. A.J. Brown seems to be trending upward. Bud Dupree, Rashawn Evans, Chris Jackson, who we didn't really see at all last week, and I think that was a big reason why our pass defense was so bad. But also, if Chris Jackson is why the Jets are bombing away on you, then you, you, there's, there's something else going on. Ben Jones, back-to-back limited participant. He got hurt. It was like a weird shoulder and neck injury. He went out for a series or two, but he finished the game strong. He'll be in. Saffold's in. Jeffrey Simmons in. Farley, back-to-back full participants. Maybe we could see him him actually play meaningful NFL snaps and not garbage time blowout against the Cardinals. Yeah. Hey, if he's ready for it, I mean, what do we have to lose? He looks the part there on the sideline, but you never know. But I just, like you guys have mentioned before, I want to see him play just so he can start getting better. Yeah. Yeah. The, The only real player of note for the Jags is Tyson Campbell who was their really early second-round pick. I think he's – I don't know if he's been a starter, but he's been a rotational cornerback for them. Hasn't been that good. But otherwise, the Jags are really healthy, only four guys. Really only Roy Robertson-Harris, a rotational defensive lineman, isn't going to play. And we've got 23 guys, four of them key, key players that I expect not to play in. Julio, Jayon Brown, Kern, and Lawan. Mm. Uh, Landon, what's the deal with them trading C.J. Henderson to the Panthers a few weeks ago? They draft him ninth two seasons ago. They give up on him already. I know it's a new regime and everything, but boy, that seems early. Like, what? What's the underlying thing like that we wouldn't have read on ESPN? Like, were there rumors? Like, why give up on a guy like that that early? There were some rumors of discontent between Henderson and the Jacks front office, and it wasn't more like attitude. I think Henderson was going through some personal life stuff, some mental health issues. And like from what I understand, it was like it was really hard just for them for them to get him into the building and to like participate, get back with the team. And he didn't look that good as a rookie, but I don't know why they gave up on him because their talent's just so de- their their roster is so devoid of talent. Why would you trade a guy who in spurts has shown potential and to be fair, he got burnt last week against the Cowboys by Amari Cooper, but that was his first game with a new team. He's probably going to end up being an okay cornerback. And they got a third for him, but 
Oof, if yeah. if the selling point it. for drafting a guy ninth overall is hey we got a third after you played like ten games for us then maybe you should reevaluate your front office. So big fellow Carolina's I know you know a lot about Matt Rule they're gonna say we're gonna get him the help he needs if he needs it and then we're gonna worry about football later they give up pretty good value but that that's their thinking right where I think Jacksonville it's kind of weird to cut the corner on a guy just like. You know, if he needs some help managing his life, get him the help. You're you're a National Football League team. Well, I think the problem is what we talked about earlier, the lack of leadership from a coaching perspective and on the team. So maybe they literally cannot help him on that team. And that's kind of sad, especially with all the resources that are available for mental health and, for you know, the medical resources that these teams have. It's sad that they can't do that, but I love where he landed up, you know, in, yep. in Carolina, and they pick up Stephon Gilmore. I love Matt Rule, and I think he's going to be a great coach in this league for a long, long time. And I think quietly, you know, we were texting about it all week, they're building a monster in Carolina. Well, it's interesting because uh, opinions on coaching and front offices, they change pretty quickly, right? But it does seem like, Landon, they have – a depth of what a guy like C.J. Henderson would need. Like, they've got good leadership, and it seems like you never know because you've got to hit right on a few of these superstars or really win rings and stuff. But I, I wouldn't disagree with John that they've got the infrastructure there. I, I mean, look at what their quarterback looked like last year and this year. I mean, to me, that shows some signs that there's a really good plan there and some really good development there. Yeah, I would, I would say the only thing holding them back from – in my eyes, being fringe Super Bowl contenders is their offensive line, which has been really bad. Like, Darnold, this is another attribution to the Adam Gase effect. Like, Darnold still has a bad offensive line, but he's got good weapons, good coaching, and now he's, like, pretty good. Although he had a couple glaringly bad plays against the Cowboys. But the offensive line is, I'd say, like, bottom 10. It's not good, but otherwise, I mean, you just look at this roster and look at how they performed. They could legitimately like win the NFC South this year. Not even like, oh, in a year or two when the Bucks lose some of their players and Brady retires. Like this year, if the Panthers hosted a playoff game, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. You guys know every week I like to ask you guys a question so we can really learn more about this roster that we're playing. Um, big fella, pretend this could really happen. We could give up our first round pick, which we hope is going to be in the 20s, right? Mm-hmm. And we could get any player on the Jags that isn't Trevor Lawrence. Oh. You know, because there's a lot of guys we would trade our first-round pick for, right? There's probably 50 guys in the NFL, but they're not they're not available. Is there anybody on this Jacksonville team that you'd give up our first-round pick this year for? Josh Allen, probably. Yeah, okay. He's. I think he's going to be the unanimous pick okay. between all of us. Um, at least that's the first person that comes to that's my a good mind. One. Is there anybody else? I mean, because I think for me that's a good way to kind of grade how much – real talent is on a team right uh who else sure. josh allen is a good one i think we would we'd give a guy in the 20s uh Lana, anybody jump to your mind well it's only josh allen or miles jack yeah and I, jack was amazing last year i haven't seen how good he's been this year but it would have to be josh allen just because well one i was a huge fan of his at kentucky so i'm mm-hmm. unfortunately I'm, I'm biased and i can't get past that and two we just need more edge depth in general and he actually has the talent to be worth the first round pick but putting aside my bias like current Josh Allen would not be worth the first round pick even projecting like he's a third year player you get him for two years plus the option you can extend him he was drafted out he has a lot of potential a lot of tools I still want to give a first for him even if we're like the late 20s I want to give a pick 32 for Josh Allen 
you make you make a solid point about maybe value, but I still think, especially with our need, I think we would, and notwithstanding um, what you're saying has merit, but I think we definitely would. What's sad for Jacksonville fans is that's the only guy that would even – because Miles Jack had a really good year last year. He's an off-ball linebacker, and he's a veteran. There's not a good, young, super talented player. Really good teams have four or five guys that you'd give your what you hope is a late first, especially if you got that good player. Uh, we have several guys. I mean, I think most every team, if they knew their pick was going to be in the 20s, would give us that for A.J. Brown, even though he has to be extended soon. You know, I mean, think about it. And even Derrick Henry, even the position he plays, just because uh, he immediately kind of – he is just the ultimate kind of like ace in the hole. Like, oh, this is an ugly game. And Tannehill for that matter, right? So we have guys. Uh, you could probably keep going from there, not super far. I think it's a testament to just how untalented and what lack of depth this Jacksonville team has. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we've seen – our roster bottom out like that. There were days not too long ago where, you know, you couldn't buy a legitimate player for us. I mean, there was nobody. Um, and the fact that we are where we are, I know we've talked about it the last couple of years is a testament to John Robinson. Um, yeah. So he's doing a great job and I'm kind of curious to know what you guys think. I, I read all the tea leaves. I, you know, I check the social media pages Everybody seems to be hanging J-Rob out to dry saying, you know, you got to start hitting on your draft picks. And, every, you know, immediately I'm like, all right, whatever, come on. But then you start to look at it. And I want to know if you guys think it's a serious problem. Look at his first round draft picks. You know, you admit it with Kevin Dodd. Wasn't a first rounder, but he was a high second. Gone. You look at that 2017 draft. Gone. You look at the, you know, drafts recently. Caleb Farley hurt. Isaiah Wilson. Gone. Like. Do we potentially have a problem with our draft picks? I, I want to hear what Landon thinks about this, honestly, because uh, it would. you're right. I mean, your first thought is to be, like, dismissive, right, because we've had a good team for a while. But my thoughts are, ultimately, if we keep missing or we can't develop some guys, we're not going to get to a Super Bowl. Right. We've got to continually have an influx of talent. That being said, the moves he's made – have directly related to us, you know, being a quote-unquote contender. And the hit rate amongst, if you compare almost every other NFL team, he's right there. Especially if you look at the whole, in the aggregate, all of his moves, we are above average. I mean, like, there's no guarantee if we replaced him that anybody could do any better than drafting Derrick Henry, getting Tannehill for basically nothing, being really shrewd, bringing in talent, uh, so, no, I, I hope we don't move on. But we have a problem at right tackle because of some glaring misses. And mm -hmm. we have problem at pass rush because of some glaring misses. So, hitting on these uh, picks is icing on the cake. You put together a good team, that's the cake. And you can't go to the Super Bowl goal with a cake without icing. Uh, that's my thoughts. It's more of a yes and no. And we're kind of stuck with a guy who's good, not great. But I know, we used to say this about Jeff Fisher years ago, I don't know, it seems dumb. If we were to let go John Robinson at the end of the season, we're not, uh, he would have a job at the end of the next day. He just would because he's got a track record. If his, 27, if his 29, yeah, 2019 draft class wasn't so spectacular, I think his seat would probably be scorching hot. But 
you can't take that away getting A.J. Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, Nate Davis, Amani Hooker, David Long, five starters in one draft. It's hard to overlook that, especially when A.J. Brown and Simmons look to be stars, or maybe even superstars if A.J. Brown can get healthy. It really will just be how, I guess, like the next quote-unquote era of the Titans football is like the next, like two years, like a year from now, two years from now, when really the core of that 2019 Cinderella run, which was partially from previous regimes and partially from just holdovers and getting lucky with trades, can he recapture the match? Can he show he can consistently make the right move to get the right pieces in? Or was it more of a fluke where he hit on a few superstars, we got hot for a few games, and that's carried us to just feelings of comfort for the past couple years? And you look at the last two drafts, the only player of note is Christian Fulton. We ha- we've had 10 picks, seven of them, no, eight of them in the first four rounds. The only player who's even getting on the field is Christian Fulton. I think that's well said. I know scouting was hurt for every team, but I think the limitations and a guy who just came up the ranks, I think he's got to get in there with people. Him not being able to just really meet these guys and see them, I think it's hurt us more than anybody because there is a track record there before the you know the the pandemic and everything and i i just think that's that's really hurt us because i mean look at his look at his 19 draft you know and they had everything as it always was he really kind of came in his own it has not been pretty the last two seasons i you cannot deny that but every team takes their lumps yes back-to-back drafts is not pretty but it's scary big fella because he's right if we don't get anything from that this is not going to work it's terrifying because sometimes i sit around and i think like what if that new regime of players like landon's talking about you know we we don't have a bunch of young guys i mean aj brown he's probably our brightest star derrick henry i mean if you take in the into consideration the shelf life of running backs and especially at the rate that we're using him as much as i love him the engine's gonna run out um and then what do we have if we're not hitting on our draft picks, we're overpaying for for veteran free agents who are, you know, aged in their career. We don't have that young core, and that's what worries me a lot. Yeah, I think he's he's picked for need desperately a few times. Uh, Kevin Dodd, Isaiah Wilson, and they were just, I mean, as bad as they could be. They were awful. Yeah. And that's really hurt him when he's really forced it. And I think in the later rounds when he doesn't have to force it, he just picks the player he likes best. That's when good things happen, and I, I just wish – I know it's tough, but I—I I mean, man, that Isaiah Wilson thing—that's—that's—that's that's, that's really tough because that's really awful. But then again, this guy had mental health issues. This guy's not right. And but even then, he was a total reach. Our listeners don't want to hear us have the Isaiah Wilson conversation again. <laughs> but it is something in the back of your mind. Hey, yes, it has—it has not gone well the last two seasons from a free agent and a draft uh, draft standpoint. But. You think about the volatility of bringing in a new guy and starting over. I don't want to do that. No. I want to see him get better. I want him to. I want him to figure it out. I want him to whatever isn't working to work. I want to, the world to get back to normal so he can do whatever he does. That he Jeffrey Simmons is turning up like AJ Brown. I want to. I want to see that. But I don't want to see because most of these guys are bozos and you don't know that until they get the job. Right. Guys, let's do our picks. Um, I, you know, I have a great feeling after the Jets game, but we mentioned earlier our track record. We, boy, I'm going to be worried if we have two stinkers in a row because that does not happen. Got a lot of character on this team. Tannehill, Henry, 
for starters. How do you think this game goes specifically as far as like a score, Lan? I've got it 35-28. Too close for comfort. It's going to be like the first Jags game last year where the Jags aren't until the end, but we eventually pull away. Derrick Henry gets his first 200-yard, two-touchdown rushing game. Yeah, 200 yards rushing, two-rushing two touchdown game of the season. Further solidifies his lead on the rushing title and scrimmage title's crown and shuts up everyone about how, oh, he's going to regress, oh, this and that. And I'm sure you guys have noticed this, and I'm sure the readers have noticed, our listeners have noticed, but Henry is on pace to smash the single-season records for carries, touches, rushing yards, and scrimmage yards. And it's not the same. Like last year, where it felt like we just used him every single play, he had 25 touches a game. Right now, he's at 31. Well, I mean, I hope we just don't end up wasting the twilight, the 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 prime of Derrick Henry. But I, I, I very much want him to break every record. Um, and I want us to, you know, establish dominance so that we can move on to something bigger. Because it will suck. I mean, look at this. If, if he ends up breaking... You know, if he breaks Eric Dickerson's record, if he, hell, I don't know, Emmett Smith's record for, you know, a career rushing yards. What if he breaks every single record and we don't get back to the Super Bowl? I bet you if you asked him, he'd be like, yeah, it's great, but I feel like it was kind of a waste. So that's what I'm terrified of, too. <laughs> break those records and break Big Fella's heart. Yep. <laughs> no, yep. you're right. You don't want to see, you want to see a great player be on a great team. Right. We'll see. I think doubt. we win this game because I think we've got a good track record for bouncing back, but I am not going to rest easy until we put it out of reach because this is a desperate team. I think, fortunately for us, they're just not well run. They haven't been for a long time, and I feel sorry for the good players and guys with high character that get out there and play hard, and I really love the city of Jacksonville and all that. It's a shame because it's a crap team. It's a crap front office, crap ownership. They need to – the NFL should force these guys to get their heads out of their rear ends because it just imagine if we didn't have to sit through, you know, a quarter of every weekend's games are stinkers because of one bad team. So these five or six bad teams, it's like not people, not teams that are eventually going to be good. They're just always going to be bad. It really hurts the overall product. It just makes just, it's so dumb. It could be resolved. There's no accountability. Jacksonville was good for, a heartbeat and now they're back to being garbage so there you go i'm sorry to the fans of jacksonville one of my best friends ben he listens to this podcast huge jacksonville fan i feel for him i mean i really do i mean i'm glad in a way they make boneheaded decisions and even when they're good when they were 13 and 3 and really the most talented team in the nfl 15 years ago the only three games they lost all season was to us saxonville they couldn't beat us i mean i love i love that they exist because we are their kryptonite but it's kind of a shame. I think we're going to win this game, I don't know, um, 31-21. Ooh. Well, I'm going to go bigger than that because I feel like we have something to prove, and not only to ourselves but to the national media. We have something to prove to Buffalo and to Kansas City to show them that we, you know, we're not going to be defined by last week's losses against the Jets. So – I'm looking for a statement game for this team to respond, and I'm going to go 45-10. And I just think that the Jaguars and the predicament they're in with their head coach, and I think that kind of stuff is so toxic that they're going to struggle on, on Sunday. You know, even if, you know, we don't have to worry about us. They, they're going to get in their own way. 
and it's going to be bad for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking next week about uh, Urban Meyer being fired from the, from the job. I wouldn't be surprised at all. They're going to find a way to try to get that money back, and they will. <laughs> because what a – oh, brother. Oh, bro. Yeah, maybe it'll be big. I mean, maybe we'll whoop on them. And if they do, I mean, that's there's going to be some consternation because they owe that guy a lot of money. Yep. If we lose to the Jacks, I'm not getting on this podcast next week. <laughs> <laughs> Please yeah. say that. Please say that. Yeah. So you guys yeah. just know we, we love our uh, – you guys are so loyal to listen to us. We really enjoy the, – there are people like us that love this team so much. But, yeah, I think everybody that listens to this podcast will understand that we probably – won't have the stomach to get back on here for a week uh, until until another win. Yeah, yeah, it'll be pretty brutal. And if we uh, somehow lose to the Jags after the Jets, I fully expect us to beat the Bills and Chiefs back-to-back and they reel me in. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Because that's, that's Titans football. We lose to the two worst teams, well, two of the three worst teams in the NFL. Then we beat two of the best teams because we have no idea what we are and what we do. We just show up and we play football, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Landon, you say it so well because that has been the last five years of our life, oh, right? Without a doubt, it's just the big old roller coaster. Ultimately, it's been fun, but boy, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> well, that's it for Tennessee Titans talk for the best this weekend. We've got a great, some great fall fall weather coming up, and some great fall football. Until next week, fellas, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up.